0: The following contains descriptions of physical violence, sexual violence, abuse, and graphic descriptions of autopsies. Hi listeners, welcome to the first episode of our Teen Girls Investigate Crime podcast. Today's podcast will be about John Binet Ramsey, who is a six year old beauty pageant queen who was found dead in her house on December 26th, of 1996. I'm Jillian. I'm Audrey. And I'm Izzy. All right, so let's learn a little bit about John Binet as a person. So she was born August 6, 1990, in Atlanta, Georgia. At just a year old, she moved to Boulder, Colorado with her family. Uh, she was the youngest in the family and living with her older brother, Burke Ramsey, mom, Patsy Ramsey, and father, John Ramsey. John JonBenet was queen status in the beauty pageant world, and she had actually won the titles of America's Royal Miss, Little Miss Colorado, Colorado State All-Star Kids Cover Girl, and a crap ton more. That's... Wait, how old did you say she was She's again? She's literally six years old. That's so crazy. It's just... The whole beauty pageant thing, especially for kids, like... They're basically dressed as adults and treated like adults, but no, it's kind of creepy. It's kind of creepy. It's so creepy. I mean, just, and she was six, too. I mean, when I was six, I couldn't even tie my shoes. (laughs) And I couldn't read, so. (laughs) You couldn't read? I don't doubt that's not true. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Alright, moving
0: on to the actual murder. Oh my god, so bad to laughing. Okay, moving on to the actual murder. Christmas night, December 25th, 1996. So, her and her brother attend a Christmas party at a neighbor's house, and they're actually not sure about who attended that party. That's very strange. Why I don't know. they know that? That's, like, fundamental to the crime. It's the friggin' night before. Like, Especially in such a controversial crime, like... Exactly. Like, was there a babysitter? Think? We don't know. They didn't provide were evidence. Were they at the party? Was everyone out of the house gone? Like, yeah, were they home alone? Like, why what? is this not something we know? So, at home... John Vinay is nowhere to be found and Patsy finds a ransom note and that leads her to call 911. This is 552 AM, December 26th. So she actually reports that John Vinay is missing on the call.
1: Beep. What's the your daughter? Yeah. As old is your daughter. She's old. She's old. She's old. She's old. How long ago was it? I don't know. I just held the notes. i my God, oh, this is it the same What? Is it the same sticker. I don't know. It's, there's, a, there's a ransom note here. It's a ransom note? It says BTC. victory. shooting. Are you sorry? Oh my god. Please. I'm, okay, I'm telling you not to film, okay? Please. Do you know how long she's been gone? No, I don't. Please, we just got out. Is she run here? Oh my god, please. Okay. Please. I am, honey. Please. Take a deep breath, please. 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 Okay. Hurry, 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 hurry.
0: Okay, so on the morning of December 26th, neighbors come over to the house before the police arrived on the scene, which I think is also really strange. That's... And why would you invite a bunch of people over to your house when your daughter's
1: missing? Okay, yeah, it true. kind of
0: makes sense. Well, it wasn't a search party, though. Like Okay, but still, like, moral support, in theory, like, they didn't know that her body was in the house. They, true. They probably wanted support. They wanted to know, like, I I don't know. It makes sense to me, honestly. While it may have destroyed a whole bunch of evidence, it makes sense. Yeah. Truly, I think it's a little sus. So can you imagine being in that house, like, hanging out with their family, and then the whole time she was in the basement, like, underneath you? Yeah, that's pretty oh. Awesome. so Oh, so that is awful. Alright, so anyways, in the house, a body was discovered in the basement by John Ramsey and a neighbor that was at the house, and he carried her body upstairs before the police arrived. Oh, okay. That destroyed all the evidence. Yeah. But at the same time, he's a father who just lost his daughter. That's fair. Yeah. I really, I do understand why he did that. It's just, it's very disappointing because can you imagine all that evidence that It's was true. Underway? It's just, it's gone. The case could have been solved like 24 years ago if that hadn't happened. That's if the police true. got to her first. Okay. So finally the police arrived and get this. They didn't even search the rest of the house due to the fact that they had no reason to believe that John Bonet was in the house. So, all of that evidence, like how she could have been killed, what she might have used to be killed, is gone. It's gone. So, Izzy, you want to tell me how the body was found and talk about the autopsy a bit? Sure. So, basically, John Ramsey found John in the basement. She had a blanket carefully laid over her. And her wrists were bound, and she had a piece of duct tape over her mouth. And... There's, like, psychological evidence that if a killer, like, puts care into, like, covering the body after they've killed them, then, like, they have a close connection to the victim. So, like, a family member or a pedophile? Yeah, oh or God, a friend. So <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, so, yeah, so that's weird. So, then he carries her upstairs, and at this point, like, They know immediately that she had been down there for so long because she had, like, rigor mortis had set in. Can you explain what rigor mortis is? Because quite honestly, I have no idea what that means. (laughs) So (laughs) basically, it's like the first stage of decomposition that your body goes through after you die. And this is basically when your body just gets, like, really stiff. Like, all your joints lock up, all your muscles tense, and, like, you're basically frozen in the position that you died in. Man, yeah, that wow. is creepy. Yeah. yeah. He, oh, my God. And he carried her up the stairs like that? Yeah, oh, and she no. was basically frozen. Yeah, that's yeah. Terrible. That is awful. So that's weird. Um, so, yeah, let's get into the autopsy. In the autopsy, you find out that she had blunt force trauma, on her skull. So when they found her, there was no blood or anything because somehow it didn't penetrate the skin. Like, it just left, like, fractures and a dent in her skull. So and her head was just dented? There was no Yeah, head. it was just, like, caved in. Oh, okay. So, like, that's that's why it's called blunt force trauma. I yeah. just connected the dots there because it just, it hits <laughs> you yeah. rather than, like, scratches, yeah? Yeah. So, like, she had blunt force trauma on her skull and that basically, they believe that that was the cause of death. Or the main cause of death. Right. And then, of course, she was, like... She was strangled with a garro, which is, like, this... The most, like, excruciatingly painful way to be strangled. They basically put a cord or rope around your neck, and then they tighten it until it strangles you completely. Oh, that's horrifying that to me. Is. Yeah. But it leads into an interesting theory, I think, that whoever strangled her was not a man, because... Obviously, she was a six-year-old girl. She was not really had the ability to fight back. It was not to sound gruesome, but it was not going to be difficult to strangle her with yeah. like if a man was trying to strangle her with
1: the like, their, yeah, their exactly. hands. Yeah, exactly.
0: That would be not difficult to do. I just I think that the garrote thing implies that it was a woman or maybe someone who was just younger and did not have the strength to exactly. do that on their own. Or maybe someone who's just trying to stage it like it was a murder. Because if you look at the information, like, first off, the garrote was made out of one of Patsy's paintbrushes that was found okay, in the basement. That is really weird. Which is really weird. I don't see that as coincidental, though, because it was right there. It was right there. If someone was in the basement trying to kill her, that's what was right there. Exactly. And the wounds on her neck were so deep that it, like, meant that the person who was doing it, like, did it to the full extent. I just thought about this. That concept, like, you just had to explain that to us. That does not seem like a well-known... Method yeah. to me, Yeah, exactly. That seems complicated and that almost seems like planned or someone who already knew what they were doing. Exactly. Right. Cause like that's not in any movies you've seen. Like Yeah, it's no, not. it's really not. And Especially I don't think I've that. heard about any other crime cases where that was a found like mm-hmm. style of murder. I've never heard of that before. Exactly. And then she also had like signs of sexual abuse or sexual trauma. But they're not really sure if this was like, had been happening for over the course of her lifetime, or if it had just happened once, they're really not sure about it. It could easily be over the course of her lifetime. I mean, she'd been competing in beauty pageants since she was four. A lot of creepy old men. Companies. Exactly. exactly. A lot of creepy old men going in beauty pageants, and it's not like they have high-tech security on that, right, especially right. in 1996. Yeah. And I think there's like a lot of possibility with that one, because... Like you said, pageants, definitely not unheard of. Um, And then she also had a slight laceration on her vagina, which could have been from, like, sexual abuse. So, yeah. And then, finally, the second most weirdest thing that I will be saying in this autopsy, she had wounds on her back that could have been from a taser. Like a stun gun, like a stun gun. Okay, that joins your theory that it was like pre, like like premeditated, exactly, yeah. yeah. Because like, who just has a freaking stun gun laying around? Exactly, and it It is. It's so weird. No one has that unless they have the intent of using it. Exactly. No matter what that intent may be, it's not for hunting. No, it's not for protecting yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's just for like. Completely that is making harmful, someone, really. like, yeah. incapable. Like, Aren't stone guns used on animals a lot? I don't know. Like, like, like cattle rods? Like, in zoos and stuff. If yeah, you're like, wanted, like rods. Bro- yeah. 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 So they don't know if that's really what those were, but, like, they, the marks matched up with, like, one of the officer's tasers. What about the undigested pineapple? They found undigested pineapple in her stomach. So that means she probably ate that pineapple like the night before, or yeah, like like at most within the last few hours before her death. Yeah, because it's undigested. Don't her parents deny the fact that they even fed it to her? Yeah, which I think that's weird. Because why would you deny it if it isn't relevant? Exactly. Like, why would you lie about it? It's such a small detail, it is. and it seems so unimportant. I just. If they're denying it, it Mm -hmm. has to be some part of the bigger picture. I feel like we would have even overlooked it, except for the fact that they denied it. Like, that is so strange. That means that it's somehow, like, connected. connected. Yeah, it's connected somehow. And I know, even though, like, they deny it, if someone had come in, potentially they fed her pineapple. But, like, they found the fingerprints of her mom and her brother on the bowl that she was eating it out of. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's so weird. I just think that's very strange. And then, going back... Let's touch a little bit more on the ransom note. Okay, so that ransom note was freaking weird. Basically, all you need to know, it was written by quote-unquote people from a foreign country, and they're demanding $118,000, which is coincidentally the exact bonus that John Ramsey had just received. That's so weird. It's very coincidental, but... Probably not. It was probably intentional. I mean, let's say that the family did write this note to cover up for something. They would have mentioned this about the amount of ransom money because they had it. It was accessible. And oftentimes, if they're going to make, like, an exchange or something in a, some sort of police setup scenario, they're going to ask you to bring the money as a bait. So yeah. if it's accessible to them, like, it's going to make sense that that's what they're going to put in the letter. That's and true. then, like, also... This is so crazy. The paper and the pen were from inside of the Ramsey's house. That is so creepy cuz that means that they were inside the house before or after the like they were there in there and had enough time to write a note. And multiple or copies live in the house. True. I, I also think it's important that we mention that the ransom note was two and a half pages long, which is definitely not something that's, that's so, so long. Like when you're writing a ransom right. note, you're not going to be like Oh, I live here, or you know, this is the country that I'm from, and like
1: Most, I think that is so
0: strange. You're trying, you're trying to be as vague as possible mm-hmm. as to prevent getting caught. Like, Most ransom notes are very short because you're just trying to get the person exactly, and leave. and get the money. And right to me, the writing the very long note implies that they're trying to cover up something, get all the attention away from them, and also that it's. Written by someone who's not an expert at this. Which exactly. Which completely goes against what we were talking about earlier with the stun gun mm-hmm. and the premeditation. Yeah. And then, like, also, um... In, okay, there are, like, weird details in this. Like, at one point, they said that they would behead her... If like some, they called the police or like asked yeah. for help or anything, which is just like it's very. And they were detailed like, if you call strange. the police, there's a ninety nine percent chance that your daughter will die. Yeah, like it's just like, So weird. <laughs> and then like they tested all of the handwriting for everybody in the house and for other suspects, and guess who the only inconclusive result came from. Patsy Ramsey. Freaking Patsy Ramsey. I mean of course. It suspect. That it was inconclusive. Like why wouldn't they do more research on that? You would Exactly. Think? And then also in the ransom note, there were like really easy letters, like um, like pause I mean words like a uh, possibility that mm-hmm. was spelled correctly and then there were really hard like French words like, that were With accent marks. Which like, is just weird. So strange. Something about it is just kinda off. You know, the whole thing just doesn't Not up. to mention that John Bene was there the whole entire time. So They're why even bother yet. writing a ransom note? Very strange. Very strange. Should we go ahead and get into suspects? Yes. Oh, this is my favorite part. All right. Our first suspect today is Bill McReynolds, but if you're familiar with this case, you may know him as Santa Claus. (laughs) Um, This man is very creepy. I don't actually know what he does for a living, or did for a living, but every year at Christmas time, he used to dress up as Santa and hang out with the children. Um, oh no.
1: The Raisins used to host
0: Christmas <laughs> parties. They did for the past two years before John JonBenet's death. And he used to come as the Santa Claus and just hang out there as Santa. Okay. That's so creepy. It really is. His wife was even quoted saying, like, that was what his favorite pastime was, and after th- he was... I'm sorry, what? A pastime? <laughs> <laughs> after he became a suspect, it was ruined for him, but... Last time I checked Christmas is once a year. That's not <laughs> yeah. a pastime, unless you're dressing up as Santa on, like, Easter. Anyway, he also claims that he had a very close relationship with John Bonet even though... He lived in the neighborhood. Her parents say that they didn't really know him that well. Like, they knew him from Christmas parties and stuff, but not as close as this man is claiming. So close, in fact, that when he had a heart surgery and he asked if he were to die during the surgery, that... His ashes be mixed with a vial of glitter that John JonBenet gave him before she died. No! No! That that is literally the most disturbing thing I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) If my husband asked me to do that, I would be like, okay, we're getting a divorce. (laughs) That's freaking weird. (laughs) That's so strange to me. What about the wife? Is she relevant? Sort of, actually. I was just going to get into that. In 1965, which is about 31 years before John Bonet was murdered, his wife wrote this play about a girl who went missing and then was found in a basement after being sexually assaulted and murdered. Oh so no. That no! Familiar? A little bit. <laughs> um, this has a lot of parallels, obviously, with John Bonet's murder. <laughs> you think? <laughs> and as much as they've tried to deny it, I just. I think that is very similar, and it's very creepy, and Uh these people were not looked into enough. Yeah, didn't they dismiss him because of age and health? I think that's ridiculous. I do, too. And that's not even the creepiest part. Um, I really want to be as gentle as possible with this topic because, obviously, (laughs) his family was—they were victims, too. But in 1974, coincidentally, on December 26th, which is exactly 22 years before John Binet's murder— His own daughter went missing with a friend of hers. And they actually were found, and they were safe. But his daughter was fine while her friend had been sexually assaulted. Oh, hell no. Mm -hmm. That is so freaking creepy. Yeah, the fact that it was to the day. To the day. To the day. Like, I just, I I can't. No. I think it's very strange. I can't let that one go, yeah. And then, also, didn't you say that there was, like, some creepy, like... Thing he found the other day oh, about yeah, them. Oh, okay. You're on the dark web. So, <laughs> um, I have to give like a notice before this is not the most reliable information. I found this on a whole bunch of people talking on Google Groups. So <laughs> Google Groups. I couldn't even find a link. Not even at this Reddit. Point. Reddit would be something, but Google Groups. It was just full investigation, internet sleuthing, and I found a quote from John Bennet that says. It was from a few days before Christmas, and she was talking to one of her friend's moms, and she said that Santa was going to make a secret visit to her after Christmas.
1: No! Oh Oh, okay. no, 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 no.
0: I'm out. <laughs> what, 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 why would she even say that? <laughs> so, to me, that really sounds like she knew this man was coming, and if her parents were out on Christmas oh night, Will she probably let him in. Oh, my Dude. God. Dude. I did not even think about that. Like, like sh- He probably knew, knew that the parents were going to the Christmas party oh and he was like, god. okay, I'm gonna go over there and I'm I gonna freaking be like- kill this child. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, that's the thought process. It's so terrible, but children are trusting and this man that's is true. dressed as Santa. Okay, not to mention that would also explain the blanket thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, that's if He so had such a close relationship with her. Right, <laughs> since he did care about her a lot. Can't um, deny that. My final piece of evidence on Bill McReynolds is that on the duct tape that was taped across her mouth, there was microscopic pieces of red and black fabric, which, coincidentally enough, they're the same colors of the Santa costume. Oh lord! Oh my gosh! That just like gave me chills. That is oh. so creepy. So it could have been him because these fabric. This fabric was found on the duct tape. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh! Okay. Now, I'm going to get into our main suspect. Dun dun dun. Mrs. Patsy Ramsey. Okay. Wow, oh, that wasn't really official. So, Patsy Ramsey, the mother of John Bonet, she was a very temperamental woman. Keep in mind, she was on anti anxiety and antidepressants. So she's a little mentally unstable. Yeah. Like, and you don't know, there. like, what other types of mental illnesses she could have had. It's totally possible. Yeah. I mean, at the time, like, mental illness was so taboo, especially uh-huh. compared to today. Exactly. And they could've, she could have had so many other issues that weren't explored, and she was just given antidepressant medication to write it off. Exactly. She could have bipolar, yeah. and it was just undiagnosed. That and you was... just, you wouldn't know. So, at first, Patsy Ramsey actually wasn't our main suspect. That changed after we watched a documentary... Because we found out about the main detective on the case who actually claimed that Patsy Ramsey was definitely the murderer. I'll tell you some of the points that he made. So basically, John Binet was a bedwetter, as many six-year-olds are. That's not uncommon. You wet the bed when you were six. Uh, I wet the bed last year. You bed last year? <laughs> oh so, yeah. So let's just say it's more of a common thing than anything, and your parents shouldn't be mad at you for it. Okay. <laughs> So, um, yeah, Patsy, so frequently this happened, and it, like, infuriated Patsy, like, to the point of, like, like, she, it, like, made her so mad. The police found out that, um, she had wet her bed, like, the night of the murder, and they know this because there was, like, evidence of it, like, being on her sheets, and so the main detective on the case actually thought that, that John Bonet had gotten Patsy Ramsey up in the middle of the night because she had wet her bed. And Patsy got really mad, like, really mad. And mm-hmm. she ended up, oh, like, sexually abusing John Bonet as a form of punishment. And that would explain the trauma to her. I think we should China. point out, though, that that's not a ne- like necessarily a part of this theory. It's more of a, like, Side piece to it because again we explained earlier that the sexual abuse could have been long term. Exactly, it's mm-hmm. true. But then Patsy either threw or shoved John Benet, and this caused John Benet to fall and hit her head against the tub. And this was the blunt force trauma we were talking about earlier. But basically, Patsy thought that John Benet was dead. She has no medical experience and probably didn't know that she still had a pulse. So she decided to cover up her tracks. And by doing this, she took John Bidet downstairs, did the garrote with her paintbrush, just tried to make it look as much of a scene as possible. And this is honestly plausible because, like, the downstairs area was, like, kind of staged. Like, they left the basement like, the basement window was open, and there was a suitcase propped underneath the basement window so that the supposed killer, quote-unquote, could get out of the house. But the interesting about this is there were no footprints in the backyard and it had just snowed. And there was a spider web in the window that was left undisturbed. Also, I think we should point out, I don't know if, if we have a picture of this we could maybe put on our website, but the basement window is very small, not big enough to fit a person through. I mean Yeah, especially yeah. not like a grown man or Which a grown is, woman. Unless yeah. her killer was like 50 pounds, like, six like feet. a midget. <laughs> 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 oh, no. It doesn't make a lot of sense for there to have been an intruder, especially coming through the back door. Exactly. And then also, you guys heard the 911 call earlier during this, and in part of that 911 call, and so in that 911, in that 911 call, so Patsy goes, we need a pause, um, police. Who says we need an pause police? It sounded like she was maybe uh, I don't know trying to say we need an ambulance. Exactly, like in that moment, she was deciding if she was going to save her daughter or if she was going to frame someone else for the murder. Ooh, well put. Izzy. I mean, that makes sense. I feel like it's very circumstantial. So obviously, no one could have really used that as like solid right. evidence. But but exactly. still, like that's so weird. weird. Even if you're like you know in experiencing a traumatic event, we need an Pause, police. We need an ambulance. Like, that's just so strange to me. And then, also, the day after the murder, so this was December 26th, when Patsy invited all these people over to their house, of course, she was surrounded by all these people. She was taking in the attention, and she was just, like, overall pretty hysterical. But then... A detective on the scene said that John Ramsey, the dad, was in the kitchen by himself, and he was overall super detached, very quiet, and just overall just separated from everybody else. It makes me wonder, do you think he, like, knew that it was Patsy at that point, or had some sort of suspicion that it was Patsy? I mean, maybe. And didn't want to yeah. be around her? It makes me question if that's, like, genuine grief that he's experiencing, or if it's anger or like frustration or like sadness because of that. Like you really can't, you can't know. He's trying, what if he's trying to figure out what he needs to do now? I mean, the police are in his house, he thinks that his wife killed his six-year-old daughter. Mm -hmm. It's very confusing. And Mm. then like A lot of psychologists say that one of the main things that parents will do after their child is either killed or missing is they'll be together. They'll be leaning on each other. They'll be supporting each other. It's very, very uncommon for them to be separate. Not to mention that they're both in completely different moods is the weirdest thing. Wow, yeah. They're not even in the same room at this point mm Very strange. Yeah, I I agree. That is really strange. Like, you would think that they would be at least together or maybe holding hands or... But yeah, no. Yeah. Or just even think about it like this. Let's say in some sort of theory that they're, like, having marital issues and they don't, like, they're not talking to each other before this, which has never been mentioned before. But let's just say hypothetically, they're still, if their daughter's dead, like, they're still going to come together for Yeah, that. that's true. hmm Okay, this is like the weirdest thing about all of this. So you know how Jillian mentioned earlier that like there was like little red and black microfibers on the piece of duct tape that was on John Binet's mouth? Well, Patsy was wearing a red and black blazer on Christmas night. No, yeah. That changes everything. Girl, I was so certain that it was Santa Guy because the red and the friggin' black. Yeah, but... And the duct tape. I don't know. Okay, that is weird. Okay. All right, I'm going to talk about our next suspect. Burt Ramsey is John Binet's nine-year-old brother. When we first started this case, we all really thought this was our prime suspect. I we mean, were so sure. We were so sure. We had so many theories planned out, and we watched these horrifying interviews where he was smiling throughout mm. them. <gasps> yeah, that was very unsettling. was unsettling, yes, at the time, but I think at we can time. psychologically explain those now, which I'll get into a little later. But, like, this was everyone's prime suspect, actually. That's why I felt... We should talk about it on our podcast because everyone thinks he's the murderer. Um, There was a news source a while back that called him the murderer, and the family actually sued because there's no evidence to support it. And I told my family I was doing this case, and the first thing they said was, you know who it was? It was the brother. So we really went into this thinking it was him. Yeah. He had a violent past with his sister because he had a lot of anger issues. Like mother, like son. Oh, which is definitely not looking good for him. We had a whole this theory that at night, John Bonet was eating her favorite snack. Which, um, okay, this is very strange, and actually ends up being kind of an important part of this theory. But she was eating pineapples in milk.
1: Okay, no, what the f- no, pineapple no,
0: in no, milk? no. Pineapple and... Mi- the milk would curdle! Ew, that's so gross. Like, it wouldn't even be milk anymore. It would be like... gee. Ew, and imagine like the pineapple... The milk is gonna taste like the pineapple, so it's like trop- <laughs> <Sour>. tropical milk. <laughs> Sour milk. Ew, that's so gross. <laughs> it's it's very disgusting. I really... It took me a long time to wrap my head around that part, and I mean, on all the things in this case, that was the one that took me a while. <laughs> yeah, <that my laughs> like head I couldn't get it used with to that. That's... That was the most disturbing thing. <laughs> um. Anyway, so in this theory... Um, JonBenet is eating her favorite snack. Her <laughs> brother, Burke, is somewhere pineapple. around there. And in this scenario, Burke steals a piece of her pineapple and milk. And <laughs> she gets very angry about this. So they, like, are fighting. And then Burke, like, hits her in the head with a flashlight, which would cause the blunt force trauma. That In the aftermath of this theory, the mom or the dad, both parents help to cover this up so they don't have to lose another son. And in this situation, they strangle her with the garret and leave the ransom note, and they try to cover it up as best as possible so they don't have to lose their son as well, which was very plausible, and Mm -hmm. I think that makes sense. It's just, this poor child was nine. I don't want to, like, I don't want to think that he can kill his sister. Another weird thing about this is the fact that, like, a lot of people have been theorizing that the flashlight that was found in the kitchen fits the perfect yeah, mark the, on the John head. The crack in her skull, like the yeah. hole in the actual skull fits, fits perfectly, perfectly with, with the, the flashlight. flashlight. I don't think, I I really don't know. That could be totally coincidental. It could but be. There are so many things in this case that are like totally coincidental. coincidental it might be like, like square peg, round hole. What? <laughs> what does that mean?
1: Oh. Anyway... <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, so we really thought this scenario made sense, but obviously, um, I've thought about this a lot because of the whole pineapples and milk thing. This was John Binet's favorite snack, and obviously, it's a very strange snack. I'm just—I thought about this. What if that, like, the probability Burke would also like that disgusting? fruit snack, <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like maybe he wouldn't steal that, because that's really gross, Yeah. And then that whole fight thing does not play out. True, but also, like, siblings sometimes have, like, weird crap in common, like, true, I don't know, I suppose, my sister and I have some weird things in common that aren't, like, traditional, you know, like, food preferences, whatever it may be. Yeah, um, so I wanted to talk a little bit more about those interviews I mentioned earlier, there's three videos we watched. One was from about two weeks after the murder. Another one was two years after. And the final one was a Dr. Phil interview. I'm pretty sure it was from pretty... It was pretty recent. And he was about 30 years old in this. So Still creepy, though. Yeah, Still creepy. <laughs> still, still creepy. Um, he was very smiling in these videos. Not, didn't seem very bothered. But... Which really, really bothered us because that's creepy that's not right okay to be fair this is a long time after his sister's death but when i'm uncomfortable or when i'm upset like or if i am having a bad day i'm not gonna act sad like i'm gonna try to smile and cover it up like mm-hmm. i feel like most people do that like yeah you know like you don't want to and especially in, with your you're getting that much attention from the press so many people are watching that interview you don't want to cry on tv i would be embarrassed i'm sure he would be embarrassed exactly to cry. that like, makes a lot of sense and in addition to that psychologically as we said earlier john benay was like the youngest of the family she's the youngest daughter she was competing in all these beauty pageants, so mm-hmm. clearly she was getting a lot of attention from a lot of places. Yeah. I'm sure Burke was jealous. I mean, I know that as an older sibling, I sometimes get jealous of my younger sibling. Audrey, I'm sure you feel yeah, the same Yeah, like, way. even on birthdays and stuff, like, it's just times you get jealous. It's hard not to be. It's it human it's nature. It's part it of, being Literally human being it's, of being I a sibling. And I think it's unfair to hold him to that high of a standard when he's just nine years old. He's getting all this attention now. There's no way that he wouldn't be at least a little bit happy about it. He even mentions in one of his interviews that all these people at school are, like, talking to him, and Mm -hmm. while it may be a little creepy that he is smiling, he is, like, getting all this attention, and he's probably appreciative of it because that's new to him. And also, to talk about his interview when he was 30, after his sister was murdered, his family completely sheltered him from the world, especially yeah. because he was such a mm-hmm. prime suspect in a lot of people's exactly. minds. So I think his social growth was very stunted yeah. mm-hmm. because he was sheltered from the world and it was a very traumatic experience i just think it's kind of unfair that people look
1: at him in yeah, such a bad way
0: like considering the circumstances that he's been through he's been through a lot and know. now there are just like so many things that are pointing away from him in this case mm-hmm. i'd also like to point out in the cover up of that theory um patsy was also involved so patsy is definitely our prime suspect In, like, almost every situation, scenario that we were talking about, Patsy is involved. Whether it's the murderer or the accomplice. All Alright, should we talk about the father a little bit? Uh, maybe. So basically, he... Honestly, I don't see him as a main suspect. He seems genuine in all of his interviews. He's, like, he may be a person of interest. I don't see him as a murderer. It's just very different. His interviews are so different from Patsy's. Patsy's is always defensive, no matter, like, even if they're asking a simple question, like, did you feed her pineapple? Like, she's so defensive in all of her answers. The father, he just clearly seems like he's grieving and he's just, I don't know, I don't want to believe it's him because of his. And honestly, yeah, the way he reacted to it. And, like, I honestly don't think he wants the media's attention. Like, I feel like Patsy's kind of feeding off of it. Yeah, like all so so of the attention. It's attention yeah, like, I mean that's even the case after they found her body. When all those neighbors were supporting her, they exactly. invited all the neighbors over. Yeah, I mean clearly she's an attention seeker. She also we didn't mention this earlier. She competed in beauty pageants as well as mm-hmm. a child and a teenager. Mm-hmm. And I think it shows a lot of her personality that she's. Thrives off of attention. Yeah. yeah. Alright, so let's talk about John Mark Carr. So, this guy is freaking creepy. He gives so, me the freaks. 2005, he comes forward. He pleads guilty. In 2005, he came forward with a series of emails sent to the Boulder, Colorado professor Michael Tracy. So, in these emails, this is so messed up. He's talking about these little girls who he has molested, raped throughout his lifetime. And he's talking about them and he even at one point refers to them as his peer group. So this guy is obviously a pedophile. Probably a child molester. That's so creepy. It is. He's very horrifying he very, to me. He is. And so in these emails, this poor professor, uh, Mr. Tracy, he said, like, during the emails with Mark Carr, he had to pretend like he was okay with everything. Freaking John Mark Carr would be like, yeah, I raped this little girl. And he would have to be like, it was okay for the sake of the case so he could get evidence. I can't imagine how awful that must have been. I mean, that's gotta mess with your moral compass. Permanently. That's yeah, not, like... And it was for years, and that's really got to affect him and his family. I mean, a lot of respect for him because... Doing that for the sake of the crime. That is a very personal sacrifice that he made, and definitely appreciate and respect him. However, actually, we find out that Carr is not guilty, mm-hmm. which is even stranger because that means that he willingly wanted to take credit for doing these terrible things to Jonathan. That's yeah. what the heck. I mean, which which that's is like so... murder plagiarism. Yeah. Like, it's literally like <laughs> That's plagiarism. so much different than like. You know, like, they have, like, copycat murders and stuff, but this guy's literally just making up stuff. And he wanted to. He wanted to take credit for this. He willingly came forward. And, you know, you could say that he was paid or he was an accomplice and whatever, but I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It was found out that he was actually in Atlanta at the time, which doesn't even, like, he wasn't anywhere near Colorado. Yeah. So it's just so strange. When he confesses, he said that he killed her accidentally, During a love game gone wrong. That's no. But then also think about it like this: in what, like, in what world would that be using a garret? Yeah, like it it doesn't. It doesn't light up. No, it doesn't. Especially with no previous. Oh well, that's That's have previous experience, but true. Still, I don't know that you're. You're right about that. They found him not guilty because the DNA found at the scene didn't match up, but. Let me tell y'all a little bit about this. The forensics guy, very famous guy, very good at his job. He actually, actually worked on yeah. the O.J. Simpsons, <laughs> <J>. Simpsons case. <laughs> he did. So he's he ain't no poser. He's legit. He's looking at, uh, at the underwear, you know, that they found the unidentified male's DNA on. And he's like, wait a second. Like, maybe the male doesn't even have anything to do with the case. He buys a package of underwear from the store, does forensics testing on that. And finds DNA of an unidentified male. Brand new, store-bought, packaged underwear. So that basically so, disproves all everything. of the evidence. Yeah. Like, everything. It could be anyone. Mean, it literally could be anyone. Because yeah. that was the only thing they were, like, putting everything on. Mm-hmm. And it was also, like, really protecting Patsy at the time. Because they were thinking that she was sexually Exactly. exactly. Yeah, okay, but not to mention, Patsy was dead by now. So, like, yeah, they right, could have right. pressed charges against her, but she was dead. So, sure. like... You never know. And okay, this is really gonna mess you up. This guy, John Markar, admitted to mol- molesting little girls throughout his life, and tried to admit to this case. He was an elementary school teacher. No, that's horrifying. He was. That so you is can you imagine literally being the a parent of a child, thing. and then later on learning that this guy that tried to confess to this murder had taught your child and was around your child for years. For that is. No, that is so wrong. That's awful. No, it's terrible. So, this man is clearly creepy, but he's definitely not our suspect in this. Like, our prime suspect is Patsy Mm Ramsey. Exactly. Still. And, like, basically, the whole intruder theory is kind of disproved because, like, there's no way that they could have gotten into the house unless someone had let them in because there was no, like, signs of forced entry. True. So and then, like the whole thing with the spider web in the window, and there was no footprints. Either John Binet let the murderer in, yep. or the murderer was already in the house. Okay, that is so creepy. That is so scary. <sighs> so, it's so frustrating that this is unsolved. Like I get that's the whole point of the podcast, but still, but it's so I, frustrating. Want, I, am, I want to know so badly who did this. Unfortunately, I don't think this murder will ever be solved. Yeah. I, a lot of people who were prominent parts of this case have. Died and not confessed anything. So, mm-hmm. unfortunately, for now, this case remains unsolved.
1: unsolved.